What's up my podcast listeners and all my YouTube subscribers, watchers, whatever you want to be called. Um, today's topic that we're going to get into is hip pain, hip anatomy, and why you should fucking care about it because everything we do in the gym and every day in life uh, revolves around having healthy hips. Um, most really, I can't speak. Most recently, um, someone on my Instagram sent me this long message about their hip issues, and hang on, I'm gonna adjust this thing. Um, their hip issues, and they get some weird pinching in the front of their hip every time they do a back squat. And you know, we were going back and forth to figure out what's going on, and you know what, I just decided that you know what. Rather than just going back and forth, I'll probably just do a whole podcast episode about um, hip anatomy and why most people get um, pain in their hip. So for my listeners, I'm going to try to be as you know descriptive as possible because I am going to demonstrate what the hip can do, um, simple things that you can utilize um, from an exercise perspective to get more hip mobility and kind of where my thought process is when it comes to, you know, training clients and seeing patients and, you know, just troubleshooting. Um, so the big thing, and I brought my laptop with me to kind of showcase um, how the hip kind of looks and hopefully it'll turn out because sometimes, you know, when you put a computer screen on camera, it just doesn't look the greatest it's kind of like grainy and yeah so the first thing that I kind of want to showcase and hopefully I'll be able to bring this up and have it like full screen and all that jazz um, is how the hip is structured because it is super super important when it comes to um, pain and figuring shit out okay so hopefully this actually it's not too bad but you can freaking see my ring light in there but um the biggest thing from here that i want people to kind of take away from is the hip is a ball and socket joint just like your shoulder so it's designed to move quite a bit and the biggest thing that i see when people are limited with hip mobility is what we call the workspace between your uh, femoral head and the acetabulum. So essentially what that means is that, you know, we have your acetabulum, your hip socket, and it's kind of, that's how it's going to look. Um, and then your femoral head going into each other like this. And ideally the space between my fist and my hand, there should be enough that when I, you know, put my hip into flexion or extension or whatever other space I want to move my um, hip into, this can glide easily. So a lot of times when people have um, hip pain, hip um, limited hip mobility, the workspace kind of gets a little bit almost to a pinching kind of position or it just has enough space in the beginning, but then when as you go, it kind of starts rubbing against 
the actual socket itself and gets stuck or all the surrounding structures around it. So that's the other thing is like in this photo, which I'll bring up again, um, you know, it demonstrates a good visual, visual, I can't speak, visualization of the femoral head and acetabulum and it, you know, fits quite well. But there's also all this other shit that wraps around it of like, you know, tendinous structure, ligaments, then your muscle, fascia, all that kind of surrounds it. So now we also have a perspective of all those um, structures that could influence how your hip moves. So the biggest thing is that, you know, if we don't have enough workspace for that joint to move, then other things are gonna compensate for it and it's usually not a good idea and usually will present a lot of pain. That being said, if you look at what is needed for say something like a squat, you need adequate hip mobility. Um, before I go any further with that, I wanna kinda of go over what um, your hip joint can do. So your hip can go into flexion, extension, it can internally rotate, externally rotate, it can do adduction and abduction. So I'm gonna showcase some examples of that and hopefully my trusty new ring light will be able to have me show what I am talking about. And I apologize for all the awkward and back and forth that we're about to do. So if I am in a standing position from a side view, if I wanted to bring my right hip into flexion, this is flexion, right? The big thing, if you think of, I'm gonna start doing lunges, I'm gonna start doing running, step ups, like anything that requires my hip to go into this position, mountain climbers, um, every freaking core exercise you can think of, and even the ones that I hate, like fucking crunches. Anyway, um, when people have limited hip flexion, which is probably a lot of you, and generally for all the general uh, population people, um, they don't have a lot of hip flexion because if we are in a seated position like this all day, what do you think you're influencing with all this tissue here? It's going to get the information to stay tight, to stay stiff because you're here all day. So it wants to make you a little bit more efficient in that position. So when you have to demonstrate hip flexion in any kind of exercise, what usually happens is you start going and your body goes, oh, you don't have any more hip flexion, let me give it to you by doing one of these. So now my lumbar spine is going into play to give me a false sense of um, hip flexion. And now if you see my other knees going into this weird bit of um, knee flexion to, again, give me more uh, fake hip Flexion, And I tell this to like every single person I work with that our bodies are really good at cheating movement without even us knowing it. So when I, you know, teach my kin stretch class and we're going through cars head to toe, 
we're not just moving our joints. I'm also assessing how everyone's moving too. And a lot of times when people try to say, do their neck cars and they're like looking down, they're going to the left and this shoulder hikes up and now their whole torso is moving with their neck. And I'm like, your neck doesn't move like a neck should. There's going to be some issues down the road. So now I'm seeing, you know, people with hip flexion problems and I'm like, okay, well, literally almost everything we do in the gym requires hip flexion. Now, if your hip can't move like a hip, then you can't do hip things, right? It's, it's that simple if you really, really think about it. So when we see that, it's a compensation pattern. And, you know, I'm going to take this one step further. Actually, I might go back to that. Um, actually, no, I'm going to go right into it right now. That's hip flexion. We're going to look at hip extension. So if you take my example of my right hip, I'm going to extend back. That's hip flexion, right? To you who may not learn a lot about biomechanics or whatever it is, that might have looked like it's like, oh, that's not a lot of hip extension. But if you look at how far a hip should extend, it's 20 degrees. That's not a lot. But you will see all those Instagram IG models doing the freaking like cable around the ankle, doing one of these to get their glutes going. But all that really does is just require you to go into lumbar extension. You're actually not doing any like favors for your actual glutes, all lower back. So when you think about, I need to have adequate hip extension, it's 20 degrees, I should just feel my glute. But a lot of times people don't have enough hip extension. So what's the um, compensation for that? That is a lot of times lower back and hamstring. And like how many times have you had the experience or you know someone who's had experiences where they're doing glute bridges and they're like, oh yeah, my hamstrings just feel like they're like cramping and they're about to go. Or you have like people who do barbell hip thrusts and they're like, yeah, sometimes my lower back hurts or like my hamstrings are just like on fire. I can never feel glutes. So this is what I want to get into. So if I know that someone has like terrible hip extension or they're just so used to just extending their lumbar spine and they're a client or someone online where they're like, I've been following this like glute program for in six months and my glutes have not changed or whatsoever or anything. So then I would go assess, say their hip and realize that you have like zero hip extension. You're doing all your extension through your lumbar spine. You're never going to grow your glutes that way. So if I can get your hip to be able to access all the tissue you want to work on, it would make sense to work on mobility before slapping a barbell on your hips and thrusting like no tomorrow, right? Like that makes sense. And honestly, it doesn't matter how much um, hip thrusts or any other booty band exercise you throw onto yourself, you're never going to get bigger glutes or nicer looking glutes if you can't fully extend the hip, right? Like it's exactly the same as like, hey, I want big biceps and I'm going to do bicep curls. But imagine your elbow joint not being able to do this and it just stops here, right? Common sense tells you that, well, fuck, now I can't do, you know, adequate bicep curls and really grow my bicep if I can't fully go into flexion with my elbow, right? But for some reason, when people think of like lower body exercises, everything works properly. You know what I mean? Like, no, like everyone's hip 
is a little bit different than the person beside you. Your hips are different than my hips. My right hip socket is different than my left hip socket. And that plays a huge role in how I'm going to squat, how I'm going to deadlift, how I'm going to lunge, how I'm going to run and everything else. Right? So people need to understand that if your hip does not move like a hip should, then when you try to challenge your joint, your hip joint to do hip things, it's probably not going to work out that well. Right? So we need to understand that we've gone over two different motions that a hip can do hip flexion hip extension those two things a lot of times people suck at and it's really comes down to way too much sitting and now it's a lot worse because of covid everyone's working from home or on zoom calls all the time so another um movement that our hip can do is abduct so if i was standing and i'm taking my right leg i'm gonna go out this way to the side that's abduction so if you think of the hip joint itself going back to that photo that i showed i have my you know acetabulum and the, my um, femoral head and to make it a little bit more specific hip and now i have my leg down here so now if i'm trying to abduct and go out to the side Imagine if I don't have all the tissue out here mobile enough to get me to do this. So what's going to happen is I'm going to end up doing one of these like hikes with my whole pelvis in order to get there. Now, most of the time people have pretty good um, mobility for abduction, but on the slim chance where people's hips are just terrible, they're going to end up doing every, again, going back to that glute example, every like abduction, like, um, glute mead exercise with the band but really at a certain point they're going to get to a position where they're just doing this they're just hiking their hip up and not actually utilizing just those muscles required for that lateral movement right so again you can slap all the best booty band exercises best glute exercises in the world on a hip that doesn't move like a hip does you're not going to get the result that you're looking for right and this is where I'm trying to bridge the gap on my podcast, on, on video and on um, audio to have everyone realize that, you know, I'm talking a lot about like rehab and mobility and movement and stuff like that, but it directly translates to um, all your weight loss, all your aesthetic goals. So like, that's another whole nother realm that people don't think of. Cause it's like, you get our general population person, they're like, oh yeah, I want to lose weight and they're trying to go to the gym, but everything fucking hurts for some reason. They have no idea why. And then they're like, oh, well, I guess I'll like stop and like, hopefully I'll feel better and then I'll go back to the gym again. But it's like, no, you're hitting a square peg in a round hole constantly and you don't know why. And people just assume that their bodies are able to move just like anyone else's, but that's not the case. So that's abduction. Adduction. Basically the opposite of what we just went over and it's literally taking your hip to the midline of your body For this one using those adductors of your hip and we're gonna go into like a little bit more um, Anatomy and things like that um, Soon and I'll try to pull something up um, The big thing there is a lot of people pull their groin um, or just have like zero, um, 
control over their adductors. And if you look at, you know what, I'm gonna pull this up. If you look at the anatomy of our adductors, and I literally have, like, have been writing a lot about this in my book. Um, come on, Google. I feel like I should have saved all these right off the bat. Let's look at maybe this. Sorry, you guys. So if we look at, come on, focus, there you go. Some of the adductors that connect to the hip. So if you remember, femoral head, ball and socket right at the top here. And I'm sorry if my ring light's getting in the way. And now you have this visualization of all these muscles that connect deep within the hip going all the way down to your knee. And then we have a couple muscles that duct and also flex the hip that also go from the hip and crosses the knee joint. And now you can see this continuum of how our anatomy influences more than one joint and more than, you know, I'm doing these exercises with the mini band around my ankle, right? So with adduction, I find a lot of people are super weak with their adductors. And a simple um, example of that is literally um, getting someone in a 90-90, and I'm gonna see if I can get you guys low enough to see me. And this is the nice thing with this ring light. I got a great tripod. So when I'm talking about that is say I'm in my 90-90 and a typical thing that I'll get people doing in my Kim stretch class is a simple lift off from this position. So I am taking my hip right now into external rotation, which we haven't covered yet, but we will. Um, and all I will tell people to do is imagine taking your left ankle, because my left leg's in front, up towards the ceiling and simply lift. And all I want to see is them lift the leg and hold it. And a lot of times, what I'll see is huge compensation powers. Number one, people won't be able to lift this leg off the ground. It'll be like this. They're going to try to lift their knee and like the ankles are just like hovering and they're just hating life. Other compensation patterns that I see a lot is people will end up like, caving with their chest and trying to lift up into this position and they're basically cheating in the sense that they're trying to get their hip into flexion to get a better angle to lift this up or people just lean back to again cheat flexion into the hip to lift the thing up and i see this all the time that people don't have good control over their adductors which now makes me think that we have a huge asymmetry um, when it comes to our training, because if you look at the history of our um, industry, when it comes to um, training lower body, a lot of it has been glute focused or, you know, glute med focused. And it's a lot of like lateral stuff, but we haven't had any emphasis on the opposite tissue, which is our adductors. And it's kind of similar to those people who 
love going to the gym and doing bench press all the time and no pulling exercises. And we all know as of right now, hopefully, that the more pressing you do, those shoulders tend to go here. And that's why everyone's like, oh, you need to make sure you're doing your face pulls, your rows, whatever it is to counterbalance that. But no one's really started talking about um, the effects of constantly doing like, you know, your glute extension exercises like hip thrusts or your abduction um, exercises like glute, ma um, glute mini band walks and things like that. And now we have this huge asymmetry. So usually what happens is when those muscles are not being used, they become tight. So you imagine that like bodybuilder or dude that goes to the gym every Monday and just does bunch bench press over and over and over and over again. Then what happens is, you know, the lats tend to get pretty tight. And, you know, you go to an RMT or a physio and they put their thumb into your lat. You're like, holy shit, that's really, really tight. That's super painful. The same thing will happen to those adductors within that groin, um, which is another um, issue when it comes to hip mobility. So now we have this new huge asymmetry that most people don't think about or don't do anything with. Um, from there, I want to talk about internal and external rotation. So I'm going to bring this back up. And there's a couple ways to do... Um, hip internal and external rotation. And for the sake of this video, I'm gonna show it in a standing position, adding hip flexion. So we already went over hip flexion, so if I bring my leg up, that's hip flexion. So internal rotation would be rotating out to the side, and then external rotation would be here. So your hip is able to do this like axial rotation back and forth, that requires you to activate quite a bit of musculature to do that um, movement. So the big thing with internal and external rotation, it has a huge carryover to many, many, many exercises. So when people are limited in external or internal rotation, that's definitely going to affect how you squat, you lunge, everything. The big thing is, again, going into that position, usually people actively can't get into the greatest amount of external rotation. Um, but passively, meaning I take your leg and move into external rotation, they, it tends to be a little bit easier. So when I see a huge gap between active and passive range of motion, it just tells me that when you challenge your body and you're like, here I go, I'm going to do this back squat, that means actively you can't move your hip joint the way it's designed and now you're kind of just putting shear forces, compressive forces into the hip. And over time, it's not gonna like that. Um, the other thing I wanna get into is the idea of building a better hip is by constantly moving it without any kind of pain or pinching. So I mentioned the word um, axial rotation. So if I was taking my hip like earlier, showcasing my internal and external rotation, that's an axial rotation, meaning I'm, again, taking my femoral head, acetabulum, and all I'm doing is this, back and forth, right? And if you really think about it, when was the last time you actually took your hip and did this? Probably never, <laughs> right? 
So you doing this is probably going to feel pretty tight and pretty grimy and crunchy and things like that. But if we understand the design of joints, the more you use them, like motion is lotion. I like using that analogy is that now you're surrounding that joint a little bit better with more synovial fluid fluid and uh, nutrients. So the more I do that, the better that joint's going to move and glide, right? So there's that. Hip internal rotation. When people are limited, they're going to force their hip into external rotation when they tend to squat. But before I get into that, man, this episode should be like two hours long, I just realized, and I'm trying to keep it to 30 minutes. Um, there's also different types of pelvises out there. I'm going to go into this next. Um, when you look at cadavers or just like research on bony anatomy, they've figured out that there's six different types of pelvises depending on where your ancestors came from. Typically, Eastern European um, hips allow you to um, squat ass to grass, and I've been blessed with that um, anatomy, and I'm able to squat low with no issues. Um, a lot of Asian cultures, same thing. Their hips are just built to drop down no problem more of a north american hip it kind of gets stuck around 90 degrees so if you already have um a genetic disadvantage when it comes to um hip mobility and then layer on top inactivity and sitting at a desk like you're pretty much fucked and you need to move and do your daily cars that i've been telling people to do forever a lot more than the people that are uh, predisposed to a better um, hip sockets. Um, that being said, even for myself who has the genetic gift of being able to squat that low, if I say, for example, the next 10 years decide to stop exercising and just sit on my ass and eat Doritos and, you know, my muscle mass is starting to wither away and my, like, control over my muscles that surround my hip are just depleted but I still have that mobility, I just don't have the control over it. So now I'm predisposed to injury a lot more than someone who has a stiffer hip or a North American hip. Meaning, a lot of times it's like the analogy that, you know, my body's a Ferrari without any kind of brakes. So when I ask it to turn a corner really quick, I just go smash into the wall. So a lot of times having that mobile hip in order to squat or something and say I decide to squat down, I might not be able to control something and like I've seen it happen before where people like pop their hip out or they strain a deep, deep, deep hip muscle and it's super painful and all that happened was inactivity and I have no control over it. So a lot of times it's like now I got to rebuild hip stability. Um, I think I'm going to stop about the whole um, anatomy, how everything works and kind of start going into more of the exercise component. So I'm going to utilize very generic um, exercises I use a lot for people in the clinic that I see and also for clients. So typically, if you are a person that just has tight ass hips, has been sitting on their ass forever, 
and things just don't move the way it should and you have zero pain, these are the things that you should be doing. If you have pain, there's an underlying issue for it and we need to figure out what the pain trigger is and eliminate it and then add the exercise component towards it. So a lot of times when I teach my kin stretch class, it's like you can only do a movement if it's pain-free. If pain is present, we are doing you no like no good like it's not going to help at all and you're just going to jam shit and make things worse so we're going to utilize a couple exercises that i use for people who just have tight shit and they need to loosen crap up so number one 90 90 which we already kind of got into a little bit but we need to go a little bit more in depth so the reason why i like the 90 90 if you look at the very nature of the setup if I am starting into this position, I drop both legs over, and now my hips are now into, my left one is my front and my right is my back. My left one is in external rotation, my right one is in internal rotation. The reason why this is like probably my number one go-to hip mobility exercise is that it literally works everything. So I just said two things, external and internal rotation. As I rotate my torso towards this leg and I start leaning forward, imagine again the acetabulum and my femoral head, it's now moving. But the other thing that I'm getting people to do is to think of tilting their pelvis. So now I'm already rotating that acetabulum and I'm leaning forward with my torso to get more uh, of a better angle. And now I should start feeling it deep within like where my insertion of my hamstring such glute is and i'm now getting right into the hip capsule to stretch out all that surrounding stuff so if you remember earlier with my acetabulum femoral head you know i have my workspace in between but then all that stuff that's wrapped around it i'm stretching that stuff out which is a really 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 tight for a lot of people so i'm literally stretching that out and all i'm doing here is just going back and forth and now I can layer on top some breathing um, protocols where I take a deep diaphragmic breath, diaphragmic breath in, and then I exhale, going down and back up. With this hip, even though I'm not moving it, I'm still going into somewhat of an axial rotation indirectly for internal rotation. A lot of times when people are tight in their hips, internal rotation uh, specifically, this position, they won't be able to be in this upright position like I am without their hands down here or leaning over because all the shit is super tight. I've seen a lot of times when I set up in this position, people are trying to mimic me. They're kind of like this because all of this tight, this stuff is super tight and they can't strain out their torso. So it's like indirectly, we're already working this. So also in this position, I love, 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 love rotating my torso to further stretch out internal rotation. Same rule applies, I can go forward and back. For those people that are super tight, I can just get them into this position here and try to keep their torso straight while they stretch out um, internal rotation. So this is one of those things that works really, really, really well for directly affecting one hip and indirectly affecting the other. Now, the other thing that almost every person that I see that needs more hip mobility is getting them into a half kneeling position for a hip flexor stretch. 
and this goes twofold for also building stability. So when I get people doing a hip flexor stretch, I never have them doing this. This doesn't really do anything. I'm just kind of like thrusting and just throwing my whole like weight into my hip socket, which is not really getting anything done. But if I tuck my trailing toe, I start squeezing my glute and thinking of taking my pelvis and tilting it this way, I am now stretching all my hip flexors and also my into my quad that is usually pretty tight on a lot of people. And then I do a small little rock forward and back, right? The moment you don't squeeze your glute and don't tilt your pelvis, you can go forward as far as possible. That's not gonna do anything. So with that being said, if I chose exercises that now worked external, internal, and hip flexion, um, and also hip extension, um, I'm already doing myself a lot of favors going into my workout. Now the third exercise is going back into that half kneel position and building hip stability. So kind of going back if someone was super flexible or had really good hip sockets like myself but zero strength, zero control over my tissues around uh, my hip sockets, then I wanna build as much stability as possible. So if I'm back into that half kneel in the position and I take my front leg as close as possible to my other one and now I'm like, oh, I'm super wobbly. What am I doing now? I'm squeezing my glute to help me stabilize. All my lateral hip stabilizers are turned on in conjunction with my core. Sometimes I'll just get people holding this position in order to build stability. But most of the time, say a cable machine's on my left hand side here, grab the handle and now I'm doing an anti-rotation press. And the moment I press out all the weight or even with a, just a band, it's pulling me in this way. So all of this stuff has to now help me stabilize and I'm creating stability. And remember, if you've been following my podcast, when I talk about stability, I'm talking about creating a safety net around the said joint that we're kind of helping to build. Um, I'm going to leave it there because I could go on this topic forever and I don't want to take up all of your time but hopefully that kind of gave you a better understanding of why the hip um, joint itself is so vital to so many movements that we do in the gym in everyday life and when those you know certain movement patterns are not um functioning properly that leads to a lot of injury that leads to a lot of painful hips pinching things like that so if you just took 10 percent of what i just um, talked about and put it into work and put it into action your hips are going to move a lot better so again everyone's an individual so some of these things might have not felt good some things might work really well some won't so feel free to reach out dm me on instagram facebook wherever you consume my content um but yeah feel free to reach out because i am more than happy to help and also send me videos of how you squat you deadlift whatever it is and we can have a great conversation to figure out what's going on with your hips um that being said that's it for me hit the show notes and watch this video if you've been listening to it over my podcast um add me on facebook and instagram and give me a five-star review and i'm going to continue giving you the best info out there on fitness and health and all that other fun stuff till next time you guys